Hello, geeks everywhere, and welcome to another Geeks Crossing podcast. I'm Eric. I am Keith. I'm Matt. I'm Nick. Here to give you all the best geek related content you can ask for. And today we're talking about one of, if not the most anticipated sequel to any anime film, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Yeah, yes. people freaking love talking about this movie. So you may be wondering how we've gone so long without talking about it. I see this movie everywhere on the internet. It is constantly heralded as one of, if not the best movie of 2023. The best animated movie of 2023. One of the best superhero movies ever made. It actually has the hot, at, at least, maybe this is outdated now, but about a week or two after it came out, it was the highest rated superhero movie of all time on Rotten Tomatoes. People freaking love this dang movie. As usual, with our movie reviews, let's get our ratings out of the way. I guess I'll start us off. I think for Across the Spider-Verse, I am floating between an 8 and an 8.5. It is a wonderful movie that does a ton of great stuff, but there are some pretty... There's at least a couple of flaws that even in the theater, I was like, whoa, I can't believe they're doing this. This doesn't really make sense. But not enough to actually hold the movie back or make the movie just not make any sense like a Star Wars or Marvel movie or Star Wars or MCU movie I guess <laughs> Across the Metaverse is technically a Marvel movie but um so yeah I'm somewhere between 8 and an 8.5 I'll, I'll I guess I'll narrow that down as we get a little closer to the end I'm falling between an 8.5 maybe the highest is a 9 but that's a little bit too generous but still great movie so I think I'll keep it at 8.5 alright uh, honestly I think it's like a Seven point five eight in that ballpark. I thought it was okay. okay. I can imagine the hate comments that are coming to this episode. Oh, I yeah. definitely liked it, but like, I don't know. I kind of wanted more. Okay, so Keith, believe, where are you? Actually, it's funny because I have next to nothing bad to say about this movie. This movie really, really, I thought was done amazing but i'm still sitting around an eight like it, it does like nick said it does feel like something's missing so i think it's like an eight maybe an 8.4 like it's up there but at the same time it just feels so like lackluster at the same time you know so, oh yeah it's still a great movie but there are just some things that you know i could have expected better from but we'll get into that well actually to change it up why don't we talk about what we don't like about the movie first i feel like we always talk about our pros first and then our cons that is true. Do we want to do a, a rough synopsis first? We might as well. And since, Mag, you're the most articulate member of Geeks Crossing, <laughs> you should have the honor. Oh, I like that that's become my stereotype. <laughs> anyway, we continue with the events of Into the Spider-Verse. We actually see the backstory Gwen was hinting at with her friend Peter. Um, she flees her dimension to join the Spider Society after the events of Into the Spider-Verse, which is where we see her when she's like, hey, Miles, you want to get out of here? Miles is, you know, warming up to being the new Spider-Man, but he gets in over his head when he's dealing simultaneously with a multi-dimensional villain, The Spot, who has a chip on his shoulder after actually being involved in the Alchemex incident with, with Wilson Fisk from the first movie. And the Spider Society that Gwen now works for ha also has it out for Miles because he's technically a dimensional anomaly. Um, and he keeps trying to kind of butt his head where they think it doesn't belong. And we are really just introduced to this crazy multiverse of spider people and what it means and what Miles' place is in all of it. And if the spot can be stopped, 
Um, and we are kind of almost left on a cliffhanger, actually, at that, at the end. Um, because this is technically, if you didn't already know, one half of a big Into the Spider-Verse sequel that was planned. Um, they ended up cutting it in half. This is, uh, across the Spider-Verse next year, we're getting Beyond the Spider-Verse. So yeah, that is Across the Spider-Verse's very loose synopsis. Can I just say the marketing was a little bit weird? Because even going in, we knew it was going to be a two-parter. But based on the marketing and trailers and everything... I almost felt like it was just going to be one sequel. So Wait, you knew it was going to be a two-parter. Nobody yeah, they revealed that. that. They revealed that pretty early on. They revealed that about a year ago. But the way they advertised it, it made it feel like it was just going to be one sequel. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, they advertised it like, oh, there's going to be two Spider-Verse sequels. This is one, and then there's going to be another one that's like totally different, like almost like in the Spider-Verse three. But it's not true. It's not. Like, well, that's, that's how it works. They, like, I knew that there was going to be a third into the Spideyverse, but I did not, like, nobody said it was going to be a two-parter because that's why where the um, to-be-continued at the end was one of the worst things, which, I mean, in the future, watching it when you don't have to wait the, the year for the next movie to come out, I don't think will be an issue at all. Yeah. No, but I, I see what you mean. That is kind of a con. I'm trying to think. I have a couple of cons to bring up, but uh, Nick, do you have any cons you wanted to bring up before? I... About this movie? About this movie. I mean, that is what this episode's oh. about. Yes, yes, that is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like, I'm... That Pause is true. That is embarrassing. Just play. Stop being distracted and focus on the podcast. Yeah, I'm not even playing magic right now. Just just stop well, for 20 minutes. Um, I think I'll save my biggest pet peeve for, like, later. I feel like it will come up. Okay, then I'll, I'll go. No, through just some... bring it up now. What the hell? I, I feel like this movie didn't have any memorable scenes. Like in the first movie, you had Miles jumping off the like Empire State Building or whatever with the glass shattering. Mm. There was like so much more like cooler shit happening in the first one, and this one was just kind of like a letdown, like visually. Um, I had some visual complaints of this movie. I'm gonna get to those actually because I know the Spider Verse movies are always like praised for their animation and their art style stuff. And I did have some complaints about that. But I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think they're, the, the scene that comes to mind is the epic fighter society chase where they all go after Miles and they race up to the moon. Like, that's a pretty freaking epic yeah. scene, I think. I like that. Honest, I was thinking of the, the poster that you see of um, Gwen and Miles upside down looking at the city. Oh, that's true. That's a famous shot now. I was thinking more of the scene where Miles learns that, you know, he has to let his father die in order to keep the universes intact. Which actually kind of brings me to a con I have. It feels a little bit gimmicky, where it's like, oh, these events have to happen. Like, there's no changing, there's it's no changing canon events. They have to happen. You know what I mean? That feels a little yeah. bit gimmicky for me. Yeah. If you look at every comic, TV show, video game, you're ever going to find something that happens in every single one. I think, I think there's always going to be at least one where something that usually happens doesn't happen. And so that's where I kind of feel like that does fall apart a little bit. I don't, I don't think know. if you look at every Spider-Man that they all lost a police chief friend. Like, I don't know. Peter Park's no. car, really? He lost a police chief friend? Well, I mean, especially because a lot of those were made for this movie. But, like, even regardless, even looking past, like, into all the other Spider-Man movies, like, there are a lot of things that are actual canon events. And, I mean, I guess I one I think... can't think of is getting bitten by the spider. That, that, so that, like, you know, so I guess there are probably some. To an extent there are ways around it. And I think that's going to be the coolest thing, you know, seeing Miles be like, nah, like, because he's the anomaly, um, be able to be like, look, we don't need canon events anymore. Like, I think that's going to be for the third one. I think it's going to be him, you know, destroying all those, those like stereotypes. But yeah, because that's why they're so afraid of him. 
Yeah. So one quick criticism I wanted to bring up about the animation of this movie. Obviously, they combine a lot of different art styles and animations and whatever, and they do like crazy visual effects. But at this, this has never happened in Into the Spider-Verse, and it briefly happened to me in this movie, where the art style got so crazy and like experimental that it actually took me out of the movie. And that was at the end, where Gwen goes home and has the conversation with her father. I don't know if anyone noticed this, but every time the camera changes from her to her father, the art style becomes more watercolorish, and the background starts fading away. And I thought it was the most gimmicky, like, jarring scene. I was like, what is yeah. happening? This is taking me out of the movie. Why uh, is the background, like, doing, going mental while thank this you. serious scene is going on? <laughs> thank you, Matt. I thought I was the only one that noticed that. Thank God. I thought I was the only one. Like, it, it took me out. I was like, what is... Like, I'm all for doing cool <laughs> animation stuff, but this is, like, a straight-up conversation happening in one normal dimension. There shouldn't be random pastel art in the background. It's so weird. Yeah, no, that really did bother me. See, I don't think that bothered me uh, at all, actually, because each dimension had its own, like, art, its own form, which you could argue about that more. Like, I thought you were going to talk about, um, oh, my gosh, I can't think of his name, the the anarchist. Spider-Punk. I have my own problems with Spider-Punk. But my whole thing is, I I know every dimension has its own art style, but we'd seen Gwen's for, like, at least 20 minutes of screen time up to this point, and it never did watercolor antics. That was, like, well, just it, to it be, all, like, oh, cool, look at this. Well, it are always had, like, the Pascal, like, the, the very, like, the watercolor, like, uh, vibes, and it was always very mood-dependent, I mean, even through the whole stuff. And I know that it was decently gimmicky from what, like, you're talking about, where it's, you know, showing the emotions between the blue, the red, the hug, you know, everything. It's, like, it's showing all that different stuff. So I could see, like, the, the debate of them going too far, but... I'm not too sure. Maybe I'll have um, to rewatch the scene when I watch rewatch the movie, and, and I'll know for sure. At least in the theater, I remember it taking me out a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, but I will yeah. also say, like, the movie was a very long movie, and mm. it did end pretty abruptly. Hence my issue. Also, because like I was ready to be like, next episode, come on, like, like let's watch this one, and it just ends so abruptly that you're just like, dude, like what? Because I know my family had a personal issue with the pacing of the movie. They said it was like. <laughs> kind of slow and then got fast and then very slow again and then fast and it was just over as it finally got good um yeah so that is another um baby complaint because i didn't even think it was that slow honestly uh, when i watched no the theaters i personally um, didn't have any pacing issues with it either yeah I, but i do it, it see did have moments yeah oh yeah i do it did. see of how it, it was like i do see the the difference between the back and forth oh for sure i want to talk about spider punk really quick because actually real quick the animation effects on Spider-Punk and on the spot are freaking awesome. Like, I have no complaints there. That is awesome use of animation experimentation. Hats off. Um, mm-hmm. But freaking, I don't know. It's 2023. I can't believe we're still doing the thing where we make edgelord characters that are super edgy and everyone just says, well, they're so cool. Everyone in the universe is like, like, I was so annoyed by cyber, uh, cyber, <laughs> Spider-Punk. <laughs> I was going Spider-Punk while I was watching the movie. And then I told Aiden, I was like, why are we still designing on like edgelord characters who say and do edgy things and everyone in the universe is like, you're really, really, really cool. We love you. Um, and Aiden told me, oh no, it wasn't meant to be serious. Like it was like ironic. 
Like, we're not supposed to actually think he's cool. We're supposed to think he's more just funny. I don't know. I The more I think about it, the more I feel like they were actually like, yo, the coolest Spider-Man ever. Yo, he's so edgy and cool. But then there also are those moments where he's like, oh, I thought you didn't like labels. Or like, oh, that's a metaphor for capitalism as like the dimension is collapsing on itself. It's like, yeah, we're probably not supposed to take that seriously. I don't know. I was confused by him. When I was watching the movie, I was like, again, it's 2023. Stop designing edgy edgelords that everyone in the universe thinks are really cool and we see past but i don't know my brother aiden shout out to aiden but aiden was like no you're not supposed to take it seriously it's supposed to be a joke but i don't know what did you guys think was he supposed to be more like funny or was he supposed to actually be like really really epic and cool and edgy i, I kind of want to say a little well, bit I of both well, that's yeah. exactly like what mm. the word was going to say yeah kind of a mix of both demographics i mean my <laughs> girlfriend actually likes that character a lot Shout out to you, babe. I think when they designed the character, they designed it in that ironic sense. Like, I think maybe it started from a place of cool and like, oh, look at this. But I think when the character really embodied itself and was like full-blown anarchist, like whatever, I think it is too, like, ironic, you know? Yeah. Um, Even try to take it back, not go above and beyond. I feel like he'd lose a lot of himself. Because even if you look at all the Spider-Men, like Peter Parker, car like i feel like a lot of them are very gimmicky and a lot of them are very like all or nothing with their personalities like the one edgy uh peter oh, Parker, the i don't remember one. his actual spider-man name but i know that his name is ben yes he's like i'm just yes. thinking about my tragic past but that's the thing they designed those guys purposely to be jokes like with hobie i don't know like he's like around a lot like he takes off his mask and miles is like oh how are you even cooler without your mask like dude stop like jacking him off he's just another spider-man nah. <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> but cooler i i never thought i don't know if he's supposed to be a joke he works as a joke but the characters keep saying things like you're so damn cool and it just it loses me I also don't believe that he would be in a spider society. I don't know why he was there. Unless I think the end was supposed to hint that he was just hanging around to steal their technology so he could build his own portals. Um, which case, I guess that makes sense. But other than that, yeah, he doesn't belong in a spider society because he hates, like, groups. Technically, he joined a group at the end, so... Uh, that is true. <laughs> I don't know. Again, he's a walking inconsistency, and the only way I feel like you address that is if you do more embrace the meme, like, jokey side to him, like... Yeah, he's really edgy, but we are aware of that. We're not taking him seriously. I don't know. I mean, at the same time, like, he was a pretty serious character. Like, none of the ending of the movie would have happened without him. Like, he did yeah. save the day on multiple he different occasions. He saved the day. Facts. You know, he taught Miles how to break out of the thing. He built the watch for Gwen to go save Miles. Yeah. We'll see him in Beyond the Spider-Verse, and I'll see what I have to say about him then. Maybe they're planning on building him up to be something I, a little cooler. Right, because right now, say- he's a little too one-dimensional for my liking. Yes, that is true. Sorry for almost interrupting you. No, please. please. Sorry for interrupting you. I was going to say, I do remember, I think it was you, Matt. It might have been somebody else saying another complaint was the original Peter Parker from Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about Peter B. Parker? He's a freaking joke. (laughs) Oh, you liked him? Yeah, I I thought he was ultimately fine in this movie. I disagree. And, And this is the only thing I'll say. One... I don't know why he's so, like, lackadaisical walking around in his damn bathroom. Like, be professional here, man. You're Spider-Man. You should have learned that at the very least when you were helping Miles. Like, it's, with great power comes great responsibility. You don't just roam around in your freaking bathroom and slippers, man. Like, come on. And I don't know, but I really wasn't drawn to the idea that he's bringing a baby to, like, 
active war scenes the same way that I don't really buy that there's a pregnant spider woman that drives around and fights. Oh my god, the motorcycle. I love the memes that come out of that with like the the baby inside. Okay, like spider woman should just, I mean, I love it. I, I understand the message of empowerment and it's really cool, but she should have been like working computers or something like you you don't like scientifically you can't put a freaking baby in utero in that kind of danger i think that's the joke like we're Maybe. not it's like you say it's like with firepunk we're not supposed to take it that seriously but you can't help but wonder i don't where's know the logic behind portraying. all this yeah i don't feel like they're portraying her as a joke they portray her quite seriously Maybe not, but yeah, the, the the Peter B. Parker thing, like, leave the freaking baby at home, man. Like, I get it. She has superpowers. It's okay in quotes that she's with the other Spider-Man because she is a superpowered spider herself, but leave the damn baby at home, man. It's a freaking baby. It's less than a year old. Well, he did say he's still learning to be a father, so he got come some slack. He doesn't know what he's doing yet. I guess, but day one advice for any father would be, hey... The act of war scene, keep your baby away from that. See, I agree with that, but I think it's really more the studio, the writers, whoever trying to show off, because that was a thing about from the last movie. So they wanted to get more screen time with them, you know? They're definitely going to be in the third part. You see them put on the mask again, <laughs> no, like the baby. That, yeah. At the same time, that's also a very standard thing that studios do. Uh, shout out to our Clone High episode, where <laughs> for to make a joke or to make something fit, they will rewrite or kind of destroy a character, such as Peter Parker going from, you know, being the mentor that was depressed and, like, gets his act together for Miles to being, you know, now the, the oh, I just wear loafers as I'm, you know, here. And, I'm and he's like a joke. Like he's... You. Yeah. He's grinning the whole time. He's not taking anything seriously. Like, Miguel O'Hara's like, you're a fucking joke. <laughs> and he's just like, whatever. Like, he had like, all his character also... development in Spider-Verse, and that's not really present here, I feel like. Other than the fact that, yeah, he's ready to commit with May and have a baby. That's really it. Excuse me, Mayday's the baby. Um, What the heck is her name? Is that, MJ? Is it MJ? Is it MJ? MJ. Yeah. It's MJ. You're right. Um, it's not Gwen. Yes. I will say, though, I did take a lot of him, you know, the the joke of him being way too lackadaisical. I did take that there was sign of, like, his almost ever-powerful being, you know? Like, like there are a lot of, especially superhero movies, or you'll see it in video games, you see it a lot in anime, where the one character is very lackadaisical, they're, like, joking around, and everybody else is like, dude, be serious. It's like, nah, like... I'm bringing my baby here. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm wearing slippers here. But it's like the second they actually are needed, like all of a sudden they suit up, they go serious and they destroy. So that's a little bit of how I was looking at him in this movie because there was never a real scene where it seemed like he was trying his best other than that part where he's talking to Miles and they tracked him and he's like, oh no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Yeah. But it never that's like the one. Like, that's the one moment where they're like, no, no, we remember. There never seemed to be a scene where it was like, him, you know, going all out, which I feel like that should have been, but... Yeah, uh, which I guess we'll see. wait and see. This kind of sums up a lot of my complaints. It's not fair to just be like, oh, well, we can't criticize this movie because the next one hasn't come out yet. Go back to the Star Wars example that I love to use. Empire Strikes Back is one of the best Star Wars movies ever made, but it's not fair to just be like, oh, if there's... We can't judge that movie on its own. It has to... We have to wait to see what happens with Return of the Jedi. Like, we can't judge Empire Strikes Back as its own movie. It's like, yes, you yeah. can, because there's clever writing and good development and cool characters and cool ideas, and they deserve to be celebrated. Well, so, like, this whole one... thing where it's like, oh, there's bad stuff in this movie? Well, that's okay. It'll get fixed in the next one. It's like, no, man. Let's take a step back and look at this movie as a whole, because it's a movie. It exists on its own. Well, that's where my 
issue kind of comes in now about it being that cliffhanger ending because like yes you can judge this movie on its own but because especially again for us who or for everybody listening in present day where you have to wait a whole year for the next one to come out you don't get to go through it so you really have to sit and analyze this movie and think about this movie so a we can judge this more harshly i think it also like you can fall back on being like oh well the second one hasn't come out yet however once the the next part comes out i think when you watch them back to back as long as it does well i think it will carry this one better but if the next one flops for whatever reason which i i don't see how it it would so to speak i could see this being more harshly criticized yeah which i guess we'll see not only did Lord and Miller have a great track record recently, specifically with delivering the second part of a weighted sequel. Clone High joke. If you guys don't know, Lord and Miller are responsible for Clone High and the Spideyverse movies. So, epic. Man, I couldn't, um, I couldn't help but notice earlier, you mentioned uh, Star Wars and how great it was, the old ones. Are you experiencing the sillies by any chance? Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to be nostalgic or, or complimenting anything in the past. I should just celebrate the slop I'm eating now. And stop thinking you know about what? the three, good stuff. It's three I out of before. ten for you guys. I give you guys a thumbs down. I can't believe you guys would be uh, talking about the Clone High episode. Three out of ten. Get out of here. Before I can start talking about things I like. I think the Spider Society makes like 75% sense. But there's like one last quarter that always throws me off. And it's freaking seeing like McDonald's cashier Spider-Man giving the other Spider-Man their food. And like crossing guard Spider-Man helping the other Spider-Man cross. Are we to believe that... These Spider-Men are crossing guards and fast food employees in their own timeline, or did they come here to work with everyone and they got like screwed? Miguel O'Hara is just like, congratulations, fellow Spider-Man, you get to be on crossing duty. You're the crosswalk Spider-Man now. Congratulations, you're McDonald's Spider-Man now. Also, are we led to believe that like a lot of them left their own universe? Like, Thank I think you've seen a lot more coming and going. That was another thing that, that took me out of. It's like there's a lot of Spider-Man that just abandoned. Like, what happened to Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man? This is not Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. This is I'm leaving behind my neighborhood to go be a background character in a giant future city. Also, it does throw me off because they claim that they have like every Spider-Man except for the anomaly of Miles Morales. So like, but they also showed that, you know, like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is a part of the, the whole canon now. And so is all these other ones. Like you showed their canon events. Where was yeah. their light into the, the thing? Like, I guess the third movie will go more in depth with that. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I will say one of the, the highlights though was seeing some of the, those scenes where they brought in, you know, the MCU Spider-Man. I love seeing the Prowler. Who is it? Donald Glover, that's his name. He's that never even officially cool. been him yet, but, like, it was hinted in Homecoming, which is kind of cool. Yup. Just to piggyback off that, Keith, the references and Easter eggs, my God, it was amazing. And you guys know me. I love pointing out Easter eggs in media. Any possible Spider-Man reference you could think of, it's in this movie. It's insane. I feel like they almost went too much, though, where, like, everything... Keith, once again, picking back off what you just said, I love this idea, but I feel like it's a bit too much. It's the same issue I have with Smash Bros. Ultimate, where, yes, plenty of fan service, but it relies on it too much, but it's still a great work of art. Yeah, there are some moments where it's like, oh, Miles is walking through the center, and he sees, like, a funny gimmicky Spider-Man. Then he sees another funny gimmicky Spider-Man who talks to him. Then he sees another funny gimmicky Spider-Man who talks to him. It just keeps happening over and over again. I don't know. I, I feel like it, it does pile on a little bit too strong, but honestly, I don't. I feel like they still managed to hit that sweet spot where it wasn't too bad. 
I mean, for fuck's sake, they included the universe from Venom. Yup, we saw the PS4 Spider-Man, we saw Spectacular Spider-Man, which apparently people really liked, because that was like a really popular Spider-Man TV show, I didn't know about that. Lego um, Spider-Man. Lego Spider-Man, Web Slinger, I liked Web Slinger a lot. Apparently yeah. the Lego Spider-Man was, was animated by like a 14-year-old kid. Oh that my was god. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone, get Spider-Man! And they all do the famous <laughs> pointed meme. <laughs> you? You? <laughs> no, he's coming out of Sector 8. Oh, hey, hey guys, what? Do, do, do I, I got a web on my face? Do I have a web on my face? <laughs> um, and there were some Spider-Man moments I really loved. Like, I'm sorry, I love the cat Spider-Man. And then he's just like, how many Spider-Men are there? And there's a freaking Tyrannosaurus Spider-Man. I, really, I really want to know that. I really, I really want to know spider dino's origin story or whatever the hell his name is dude i, I would take a whole movie about spider rex or whatever like that'd be awesome yeah so that's really cool hey i'm spider-man no way we're all spider-man but that's basically the whole movie in a nutshell dude spider-man in therapy <laughs> anyway my uncle let me guess he died <laughs> 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 And my god, who would have thought that the guy Miles chucked a bagel at will become this serious threat of a villain? That was actually... That was funny. That was clever. Was, no, I freaking... How they, yeah, I adored Spawn yeah. and how they tied him into the first movie. Yeah, well, I, I love how they... Say, how they made it where he, uh, Spider-Man made him, he made Spider-Man, and then, like, they go through this whole evolution of how, you know, he's a joke villain in the beginning, and you see yeah. him, like, start... Like, we haven't seen a villain like that before, where... I really wrote him off in the beginning because I didn't see pretty much any crazy things. And I was like, oh, he's a funny guy. Like, I'll see what happens, like, kind of gimmicky. And then as the movie goes on, he discovers these crazy powers. He becomes, like, the ultimate guy. It's He, it's, he becomes uh, a freaking walking, talking creepypasta. Like, it's insane. I saw the spoiler that the spot was the main villain. And so what I thought I saw at the beginning was like joke spot and i was thinking okay so this is going to be spot in miles dimension and he's going to go somewhere and he's going to find like this actual threatening spot but like you said keith i love how they know it was the same spot like he slowly built himself up to being taken more seriously and discovering his own powers and then he just becomes this cosmic nightmare at the end it's so cool absolutely and i love the fact that like again miles writes him off in the beginning being like oh i gotta go to like a school thing whatever he goes and he essentially pushes spot on the back burner to be like oh no i gotta go like please my parents the villain of the day or whatever yeah and because of that he's gonna lose his family because of spot because he never took him seriously you know he was never he never did anything Amazing way to write a villain. Who was the the yo-yo Spider-Man? I can't think of his name. Oh, um, Spider-Man India. I don't remember his name either. Hold on, now I gotta look it up. Please Spider do because man, they India. were fantastic. Oh, uh, I don't know how to, I'm gonna butcher this, but Pavatir Prabhakar. Mm. Close enough. Nah, <laughs> close enough. Do the whole thing with him being like, I love chai tea, and he's like, chai tea, you know. It, are you saying TT? Like when I first saw that, I was kind of like, "Wow!" Like this guy seems like he's full of himself or whatever. I was like, "Oh, whatever." But I also realized, like in the beginning of the movie, when Miles meets, uh, you know, the uh, spot who's trying to steal the ATM, and he's like, "I need this ATM machine." He's like, "Oh, you know, the MRE stands for machine." And then he's yeah. like, "Oh, what's the pin number?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, the N already stands for number. You don't need to say it twice." And then seeing this Spider-Man do that to him when he says chai tea, he's like, oh, chai already means tea. You don't need to say it twice. Yeah, it's, it's like every Spider-Man is a smart ass. It's like, yeah. okay, like, it's kind of cool yeah. to see them get a taste of their own medicine. 
friendly reminder that this guy was Spider-Man, well, in this movie, only six months, and already he's acting like a pro, so you gotta give him credit. Yeah, and yet I like how they kind of imply that he's very, the reason he's so cocky is because he hasn't had any tragedy yet. Like, he's just kind of in his prime. Well, like he's, he's like almost an innocent Spider-Man. He was about to have a tragic event, but Miles rewrote history. Yeah, that is actually one of the biggest things that is itching like me. That that has been on my mind. That's the, pretty much one of the only reasons I actually want to watch this next Spider-Man. Which, straight up, is because they've been going on about how if these canon events don't happen, the universe crumbles. So you can technically stop a few of these canon events from like what we're seeing. But I remember Gwen being like, "Oh, well, like nobody can ever stop a canon event. It has to happen no matter what." And then, you know, when Miles goes and does it, she's like, wow, you really are amazing. You really are amazing. Like, yeah. it's led to believe, like, can Miles just stop the canon events? Is he the anomaly that can be like, hey, guess what? This canon event? No, like, I can save everybody. And That's uh, yeah. I am very, I'm very intrigued to see what goes on. You and I both. Very excited. I like yeah. that Miles' roommate who is supposed to be, like, the Ned of this world, finally got some speaking lines. Yes. Um, I love that he was playing. I'm pretty sure he was playing PS4 Spider-Man. Yeah. That um, was, like, the greatest. Doesn't get more meta than that. Seriously. Yeah, and I was going to say, as a whole, I I not only do I really just love the spot as a villain, but I really liked Miles. I liked what was happening between him and Gwen. I liked what was happening with Miles and his parents. You were also saying Miles and his parents, um... First of all, all the Spanish humor was hilarious. My friends that I saw it with were dying laughing. Like, it was very spot on. It was great. And on top of that, like, I actually was very afraid with the, like, the Spanish speaking at times because I also knew they weren't really doing subtitles. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, like, if somebody doesn't speak Spanish, is this going to be too much? But they did it so beautifully. It was always in snippets. So one person would say something in English. Somebody would say something in Spanish or respond or vice versa. And it was fantastic because you always understood the conversation, even if you couldn't understand the language. And And it it made sense to the characters. No, exactly. Like, it was actually beautifully done. Like, I want to harken back to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is a very bad Marvel movie. America Chavez says one line in Spanish, and Doctor Strange says, why Why are you speaking Spanish? And she's like, oh, you don't speak Spanish? Like, it's the randomest, stupidest scene on Earth, and it just comes off more as, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, coddling than anything else. Like, Like, just insulting. Like, see, we're speaking Spanish. But this exactly. movie actually makes sense, and I like how they really weave that in. It's So, A-plus for me. It's not pretentious. I'm calling it right now. In the third movie, when Miles reunites with his parents, they're going to be like, oh, by the way, oh, no, he reveals that he's Spider-Man. By the way, you're still grounded for five months. Like, I'm calling yeah. it right now. They're going to keep that line in. I, I hope. Also, <laughs> talking about, uh, you know, each individual character... I did want to say, like, from the overall arcing of the movie, I love that how in the beginning, like, the, the first one, it was like, oh, this is my story. And, you know, it starts out with Miles, and then it's like, let's do it again. And it keeps on piling on the comic books. And in this one, it starts out with Gwen's story. And I really like that this was kind of Gwen, like, assembling the tea. Like, this was really just, like, Gwen's story, you know? Like, it starts mm-hmm. with her going through everything. And, like, that was really cool to me because now I'm intrigued on the third movie. Like, I could honestly see it opening up on um, the evil Spider-Man guy. I can't think of his name right now. The one that made the uh, Spider group. 
Like I could see it almost opening up on his story or somebody else's, or maybe it starts up on Miles' story, but the the Prowler one, which is a, a another cool turn of oh, events. Oh yes, Prowler um, Miles. I really just liked of how this went because at first, when it started with Gwen and it was going on, I was kind of like, "What are we doing here?" But it was really well done. I really did enjoy that. Yeah, and may I just say too, since we're talking about the beginning, that ending, I loved. The slow reveal where he's like, Mom, I'm Spider-Man. He goes through this huge emotional rant. And then the mom's yes. like, who's Spider-Man? Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Is that like some comic content? And then, like, you have Gwen, and it cuts between Gwen and him. And, and you're just sitting there like, wait, what's happening? Where is he? You have freaking Uncle uh, Aaron. Oh. Before it clicked, I was sitting there being, like, thinking that they really were going to go something into the MCU, you know, of how, uh, this is spoilers for the uh, last Spider-Man movie with uh, Tom Holland, but do you know how they use the cube to, to do that all that Spider-Man stuff? Oh, uh, yeah. To make uh, all them forget about Spider-Man and everything. I could have swore it was going to be something along that line. I was going to be like, no way. They're not r- wrapping this into the MCU. That, granted, they already did. They already were bringing all the real people over. And I was like, whoa. So that was my first train of thought. But then, as you were saying, it's going back and forth between Gwen and that. And you're like, wait a minute. He's not on his uh, Earth. Mm-hmm. To see this world without a Spider-Man. Like, I'm really excited to see that. I yes. hope we get to see lore world building. Like the Sinister Six are apparently in charge. Like I'd love to see them. Maybe freaking Kingpins around there. Like I just, I'd love to see what they decide to do with that. Absolutely. I wonder if they'll do another time skip or if it will start up exactly where it left off. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think of that. Imagine another, like he's just trapped there a whole year or something. Maybe by the time Gwen and the others arrive, a whole year is fast. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and I'm excited to see more uh, Penny Parker, Spider Noir, and Peter Porker. It was a little sad not yeah. seeing them. Yeah, yeah. A little sad not seeing them. That's a little gripe I have with the movie. I was like, "What? No Spider Ham? Come on!" I want to say it doesn't affect the plot, but it kind of does a little bit. If Miles is in the Spider Society and all of his friends are turning on him, although they do have the scene where it's like even Penny is turning on him. Spider Girl is like, "Hey, like, listen, like, you got to do this." I don't know. I would have liked to see, like, what Porker and Noir's thoughts were on all that. Like, maybe Miles could have gone to them for help. But it looks like we're getting that for the next movie, so I potentially can't complain. It really is just, a, like Eric said, like, it's kind of just a minor gripe. That being yeah. said, should we give our final thoughts? Uh, sure. You want to go first? Go for it, man. Oh, no, I said, do you want to go first? <laughs> if you, you know insist. what? I'm going to interrupt. Nope. Hey. Screw you, Eric. Uh, honestly, oh. like, this wow. movie... Yeah. You know what? Yeah. This movie was... I feel like I haven't really been speaking because I've also been playing, but I've taken a break. I feel like this movie... Wow. (laughs) That goes to show Nick is very dedicated to the podcast. I know, right? Nah, this movie, like, as I sit on it, I kind of want to see it again because also there's two different versions in theaters, believe it or not. What? Which is actually kind of... Yeah. It's like there's like only... Yeah, there's like one or two scenes that are different because it's like... It's like something to do with the movie. It's like why they did it. Seeing this version of events, this theater seeing that, which is kind of cool. So I kind of want to see it again. There's no way they actually did that. Men's Journal on multiple different versions. As Gandhi from Clone High once said, Say why? I don't know what character I really need to think about this. I don't know what Did you just make another reference to an old stuff? You have the sillies, Eric? Oh yeah, in that case of that. Please, everybody, we're not Abe Lincoln. We uh, we all lost our memories. Wow, Nick, I was not expecting that. Apparently, there are minor changes 
Yeah, minor, no. Why minor, would I minor lie? changes in dialogue, insert shots that don't affect the story, but it's a unique idea that impacts. That's yeah, really cool. right. So I wonder what they're gonna do, like when they release it on like DVD. If it's like, oh, here's option A, where like this dialogue is different. Here's option. But time out. Imagine that that one scene, the watercoloring scene, where we're like, you guys were like, oh, it's overpowering. I was like, no, like it was nice. Imagine that was one of the scenes they edited, depending on what oh, you watch. My and it's like saw a different version. Nah, but I I do think that this movie was really good. I want to see it again. The one thing that actually I feel like kind of bothered me was i didn't really care for like the songs in this one like i feel like no the, the uh, again, music was not as good as yeah time. again that scene that comes to my mind is when he's jumping off the thing and it's like I, I don't know the name of the song but like the song that plays for that scene is just like honestly it's like it kind of gets you pumped it's like really cool i like it's one of those things that you wish you can experience again for like the first time and i didn't have anything like like that with this movie Dude. Time out in the first movie when he puts on the headphones and it's Sunflower by Post Malone. Yeah, right. else. That was such like, like, I know for a fact that after that movie came out, seeing that scene, every time I put my, my big pink razor headphones that I use for gaming mainly, every time I put those on, I felt cool. I was like, damn, I'm like Miles, you know, listen to my music, clean in my room, you know, block yeah, that sound. And I was like, so cool. Such a like realistic approach. Just felt awesome. And in this movie, there was nothing like. Yeah, there's no the Sunflower music... or What's Up Danger in this movie. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. Although the original music's not bad. I loved Spot's theme. For this to have be so fantastic and have such little issues, it is so crazy that it is only getting like an 8 out of 10 or so. Like it, it really does feel like it should have been better. Like I can't tell you what's missing, but something is definitely like missing. Right? I'm going to go out on a limb and correct me if I'm wrong, um, if anyone disagrees with this. I don't think this is better than Into the Spider-Verse. No. I agree. Oh, no. Okay. So every, everyone That's thinks that Into the Spider-Verse is the better movie. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I agree with what you said earlier, where it's like you can totally debate this movie as a standalone, straight up. Like, you could do that, you know, with technically any of the Star Wars. You could do that with any part, you know, Infinity War into Endgame. You could do that with any mm -hmm. part one, part two movies. But this one feels so especially bad because I also feel like the cliffhanger, like one of my thoughts personally, was like in, you know, Empire Strikes Back. Like if you fast forward the time, if you sit there and you watch it and it's like, wow, everybody left, you know, Han Solo's captured, this happens, that happens. It's like you fast forward in time and nothing crazy changes, you know. Luke's out there somewhere doing something. Han Solo is still in Carbonite. This is happening. Like all the events are still moving. But I also do feel like with with Miles being, you know, in Prowler's New World and with so many questions, I guess, left open, it feels like bad waiting. I think if I rewatch this movie before watching, you know, the next one and I watch it right into it, I think I'll have higher standards because it also, again, like, I, I do think some of it comes to the pacing where it really just picks up in the final 20 minutes of the movie and it does not slow down. It does not end. They blue balls. Um... For me, Into the Spider-Verse is one of my favorite animated movies of all time. It is at least 9 out of 10 if I had to rank it, maybe even higher than that. So Across the Spider-Verse, I feel like it's just now sitting at that solid 8. I don't think it quite gets the 8.5. The reason why like it loses points for me is because I think a lot of the characters are a little too gimmicky. A lot of the main characters like don't interest me, the new ones. I just mm -hmm. think the Spider-Society is a little bit messy. I don't think the soundtrack, at least the licensed songs, I don't think they're as good. And I don't know, I have a lot of questions, and, and it's not just the kind of questions of just wait and find out, but like, I don't know. I think the art style can be a little even over the top and obnoxious, like I said, at some rare points. But yeah, and I, I don't like what they did with Peter B. Parker at all.
But those are kind of minor. Peter B. Parker only shows up for like probably three minutes. Um, Hobie is a joke. If you could treat him as a joke, he doesn't impact the plot as much. Like, whatever. He does impact the plot, but like he doesn't, like he's not a negative if you treat him more as just kind of funny. Plus, there's just so much that this movie does that I love. I think it's probably one of my favorite Marvel movie villains. It's kind of saying something. I think it has just a killer just storyline for Miles. I love everything they do with his family. I love everything they do with Gwen. And there are some really cool scenes, like Miles fighting the spider or escaping the spider society and all that stuff. It is a good movie. It's a, it's a pretty darn good movie. It, it's clear that more care went into this than went into a lot of modern Marvel Cinematic Universe schlock. But there is just that thing holding it back that, like like Nick said, kind of just like, there's just something off. Like, it's not as solid as Into the Spider-Verse. And maybe that is because it decided to go so big. It is, at the end of the day, a really bold and a really cool movie. And I am excited to see where they go with it next year. You guys saved the best for last. You know it. So overall, I think it's a solid movie. Really cool animation. Aside from that one scene we mentioned earlier, uh, cool action scenes, impressive amount of Easter eggs and references, even though... They relied on it too much for my taste. Other than all the gimmicks and inconsistencies, I still think it's a solid movie, and I'm looking forward to what the third movie has in store. Yeah. Not to mention having one of the best villain origin stories I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, to those who are listening, what do you think of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? Tell us on our Discord server, or follow us on Instagram, at Geeks Crossing. Continue to listen to us on all available listening platforms, such as Anchor, Spotify, Google Play iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, or whatever platform you prefer. And be sure to tell your friends and family about us, especially any Spider-Man fans in your life. And as always, stay true to your geek selves.